This episode is brought to you by Santos Threads. Make sure to visit Santos-Threads for the latest and greatest in men's and women's Latino urban-inspired streetwear. Visit santos-threads.com. Hey, you are now listening to the Santos Says Podcast, episode number 48. Back with you guys once again, and I am so, first of all, I am thrilled for the guests I have on here. But before anything, make sure you guys follow me on uh, Instagram, Santos Thread Shop, as well as on TikTok, Santos Thread Shop. And as always, every episode is sponsored by Santos-Threads.com. Again, so... Welcome once more with me. I am very excited for this guest I have. Uh, This guest was gracious enough to join me, and I'm very excited to have her on. She is a director. She is an actor, a writer. I mean, she wears a lot of hats. She's an entrepreneur. She's a Latina, Boricua like myself, from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Her name is Elaine Del Valle. Um, I I have her here because I, I... stumbled across her profile on social media. So I was on Instagram and I saw some of the projects she worked on and I was just blown away with not only the talent, but just the way that she seemed to to have a message. She, she was really transparent as far as how she wanted to put out inspiration from her life. She didn't know me from a hole in the wall, but I saw her and I respected her work and it resonated with me. And I said, you know what? Um, I would love to have an opportunity to have her on. And uh, she was gracious enough to join me and have her on here. Uh, and we're going to talk about her as far as her projects, her life. Uh, you know, she's not going to we're not going to get too crazy deep into the woods with with that. But I really more than anything, I want to talk about some of the inspiration uh, behind what she's done. I mean, she's she's an award winning writer, director. She's she's had off uh, off Broadway work. Uh, she's written a book the whole thing. And I'll let her tell it without further ado. I want to welcome here to the Santos Says Podcast, Elaine Del Valle. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Can you hear me okay? Yes, perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. So what, I mean, what can I tell you? Um, The inspiration (laughs) behind the work, I guess I began my career as an actor and I became very frustrated at the lack of roles that were available for Latinas. And um, even back then, there were groups of Latino actors that would talk about the failure of entertainment to um, tell authentic stories when it, when it came to um, representing Latinx talent. And so um, it, it just really like resonated with me. And I understood very clearly that what part can you play if the people writing it don't really understand it? So you're always going to be playing a trope. You're always going to be playing someone else's idea of you unless you really take control and control the narrative. And so that's what I started doing. I started writing. And the first thing that I ever wrote was an award-winning, well, came out to be an award-winning one-woman show called Brownsville Bread. And it just really spoke of my true coming-of-age story out of Brownsville, Brooklyn, and it really resonated with audiences in ways that I, I did not anticipate. I just, I thought people like me might get it, but I didn't understand that so many people would be, first of all, the people that were like me were so thirsty for the work. Like they just, 
They just wanted more and more. They just ate it up and spread the word. So they really built my audience. But then beyond them, I came to understand that audiences from all walks of life really were resonating with just the very specific story because the themes were universal. And so it taught me a lot about the power of storytelling. And I just wanted to continue that and do more storytelling that expanded the platform that I was, you know, that I was on, which was at the time it was just stage. But I really wanted to be able to create more content that was for the masses. And so that's how I began uh, making stuff for, for screen. And really that's become my passion is, is directing for screen, writing for screen. I just love it. It's, it's amazing. I, I gotta tell you, it's amazing because I, I saw, um, you know, it's funny. I heard of the story, but I never really paid a mind to it because I didn't, you know, we're always busy in our everyday lives. And so I've heard of the story. I've heard of your story. I didn't know it was you who was behind it. And I didn't realize that it was your own personal story behind it. So then I went back, I started to peel back the layers, if you will, to try to find, um, to kind of find out what the basis of it, knowing that it was finding out later on that it was your life. It was based on your life. And I saw that it hit me. First of all, full disclosure, I used to live out there. So I'm telling, I'm speaking from, it hit home to me. Like the, sto- the stereotypical- Brownsville, Brownsville. Brownsville, yeah. The play and the film that we're all talking about right now is actually Brownsville Bread. Bread, yes. I've done other works as well, but but this is what I'm, I'm sure you're referring to. Yes, yes, I'm sorry, yes, just to be up for the audience, just to be clear, yes. So Brownsville Bread was how I, be- and if you want, you could also talk about some of the other works as well, but I know that right now, Brownsville Bread is almost like, it's your baby and that is so authentic, right? It comes from you and it's something that I, I obviously you're looking to put, take that to another level as well with, obviously you had the book, you had the play, off-Broadway play, and now you have that, that's, that's your story. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, with Brownsville Bread, luckily I waited this long to make it in film because I'm a much better filmmaker than when I first started making films. Uh, my first foray into film work was actually with a web series um, that I co-created and wrote and directed uh, called Reasons Why I'm Single that I put on Amazon <laughs> Prime. And I was just, I just wanted to create content and and that I actually was in that content as well, right? Because remember, I, I started out as, as an actor and uh, and I loved doing it and people were loving the work and, and I was really getting into um, production and, and everybody started um, recognizing the quality of production that I was putting out. Like I, I certainly wasn't perfect. Now I look back at it like, oh no. <laughs> but it was definitely for a web series it was, it was pretty good back then. It was like 2000 and I want to say 2010. So I was really at the forefront of that. And then um, I had done a panel with Rashad Ernesto Green, who's a really big director. And I really admired him. And I asked him for advice. Like I told him, like, I really want to direct. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm loving it so much. And he said to me, if you want to direct Elaine, stop with the web series, which by then I had had like six episodes. He said, stop doing the web series and really focus on film and make short films to practice. And so I started making short films. My first one was Final Decision that I was also in. Um, but then the, the, 
the deeper I got into like directing, like the more I just wanted to be behind the camera at all times, like really focused on the monitor so I could see what was happening and know whether or not I, I got it the way that I wanted it. And my work just continued to uh, improve through the practice of directing. And finally, you know, I was ready to, to move past making short films. My last two short films were in really great festivals, Oscar qualifying festivals, really top tier. And, uh, and they both, my last two, both, they were called Me 3.769 and Princess Cut. They both got a license deal with HBO. So, wow, um, yeah, that was a, it was a big coup for me because I had produced a bunch of stuff that made it on for other people. And, um, and finally, for me as a director telling stories that I wanted to tell to get on there, that was really a, a moment that I, I just, I felt it, you know, like I felt like this is where I want to land. This is what I want to keep doing. And then finally, I'm ready to tell Brownsville bread in this, in this way, in this form, on this platform for screen so that to share the story. And so that's, that's what I've been doing. And I continue to do it actually, because, you know, the work that you had seen, uh, what I did was, is I, I just made the first act of Brownsville Bread. Because as an indie filmmaker, you know, you got to afford the filmmaking, you got to pay right, people, right. Pay actors. And it's, it's certainly not for the faint of heart, but I got, um, I always save some money. I also raised some money through a fiscal sponsorship with Fractured Atlas that allows um, Fractured Atlas. And let me just say this about um, about the organization. It's a 501c3 charity that any artist can sign up for or they can at least apply for. And if they're accepted, that makes the, the, the artist or the project able to get tax deductible donations from donors. So with Fractured Atlas, which is still an ongoing campaign that I have, um, I'm allowed to accept donations and those donations are tax deductible for the people making the donations to help me uh, make Brownsville bread. So with a grant from Warner Media 150, um, a grant from Sundance Institute, um, the fiscal sponsorship and some personal savings, I put that all together. I made the first act of Brownsville bread, which, um, I see it as a full-length feature film, my first as a director, and that's what really every director needs to get to in order to, you know, continue to grow and be seen and be hired for other things, because ultimately I want to be directing for episodic television and feature films, but in order to do that, you really have to go past the short film stage and, and really start directing for feature in order for people to understand that you're capable of doing that. Yeah, and I, you know, it's funny. There's so much that goes into it that the average person doesn't know. Obviously, my myself as well, right? And I'm 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 watching it play out, and I, I, you know, seeing your mission and seeing what you're up to. It's 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 fascinating to see the thought process to see how you're doing that, and now you have your goal set towards that. Now, one of my questions for you is now: Do you have a time? Like, do you have a time frame where you're saying, okay, if I can't get it done by this set year, this set time and date, 
what would be next or do you, well, do you feel like this is going to happen? Can't, right? That's, that should be taken out of everybody's vocabulary. Can't Agreed. is not an option. Um, so um, I'm actually looking at the script now. I do have a certain amount of money in the bank, like ready to go in the next phase. But because the next phase involves four times the amount of work that I did in the first phase, I need four times the amount of money. Right now I just have one and a half times the amount of money. So I'm definitely still, you know, meeting with people to try to raise that money, but, um, and, and meaningful partners. And it does feel good. Like I definitely have more money than I had. And I have, of course, my personal savings that I'm willing to, you know, put right there. Um, but it's so far, I don't have enough to finish the whole. And uh, in the first part of Brownsville Bread, we, if you think about like Moonlight, you see the character in three different ages. Yes. So what I did with the first act is I filmed out the first age, which is eight years old. So I filmed out the eight-year-old and now the next part and for the bulk of the film, it's really a teenager version of that eight-year-old. So um, what I'm doing is I am moving forward with my team as if I have all of the money. Ah, so, okay. Um, not in a really like rush pace like we do like right before we we start principal for photography, which is like pedal to the metal in the last four weeks, you know, um, but in a way that is comfortable. So like right now, I'm casting. I'm casting for the actors that we'll have in Puerto Rico. So we want them to be all Puerto Rico local hires because that's where the film will travel to, and I can afford to bring my lead my two leads, the, the daughter and father roles, but I can't afford to bring everybody else, right? So I'm just gonna bring director, assistant director, couple of producers, my, um, you know, just, just like the core team, my cinematographer, take out an Airbnb. So like, I'm thinking along these ways right now, how, how we can use now, how we can use that Airbnb to maybe also be one of our locations. You know, and we've we've teamed up with a Puerto Rico producer as well, um, who is now scouting for us, getting us some some location options that might be available to us for free or very little. And, uh, you know, people who really just believe in the value of the work. So we're moving forward in these ways. Also, I'm shot listing. And um, so you say like, what if I can't, which I hate that word. So, <laughs> but I, I have to ask, I know that you're not gonna quit on it, but I just, no, no, no. Hypothet I'm just, I have yeah. to finish. no, that's not even a word. Um, but what will happen um, if, the, if the amount of money that I need to finish the, the hole doesn't happen right away, what, I, what I'm working on right now is I'm actually shot listing and scheduling and in that very uh, meticulous work, I am looking for places in the script where I can add another age, where she can jump again. Now, that's yeah. not ideal. I don't want that because what I want to do is, is get investors involved and then be able to pay them back really quickly. I mean, not really quickly, but, you know, relatively. In a timely quickly, fashion. Compared to, you know, like other films, you know, you make them, you have uh, this amount of time in post-production and then they're out. But yeah. something that I also have been doing with what we have already accomplished is I put it out on the festival circuit in the episodic category. So actually we're in two categories. We're in a short film category whenever an episodic category wasn't available, like we just did for Holly Shorts. 
Um, but we're in the episodic category wherever it is available, unless those episodes are only web series. So, um, but um, in March, we actually premiered our first act at South by Southwest, which is one of the biggest film festivals in the world. And really was for me like where I would have wanted to premiere. That's where we premiered and we actually won an audience award. And we got to meet the programmers that were just so supportive. And I, when I said to them during the talk back, like this is a feature film, it's just the first act. They said back to me, we look forward to having the feature film here premiere. You know, like I know, I know wow. it's not guaranteed, but that's exactly what my intention was to create this boost for it, to, to, to put it in a position where it could possibly thrive in a place like this as a feature film as well. Not to say that we wouldn't be there with sales agents and possibly even have pre-sales before that. Um, but that's just, if I have to go completely indie, that I think is setting us up for some real victories moving forward, or at least positioning us in a way that is 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 really a valiant way to go compared to right. um, you know it's a head start compared to where we could be because a lot of a lot of films start off as shorts and then they then they end up as, as feature films. So so that's that's kind of what I was hoping and thinking, and and that is what is coming to fruition. And I, I love that, the fact that you're taking on that. You see, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is a lot of people say they want to get into the arts, they want to be actors, right? They want to be actors, but there is so much power behind the camera, not only because of the ability to create, but what you're able to do as well with your influence. And what I mean by that is, talk, talk to me about the sense of responsibility you feel. Getting, obviously you're getting your feet wet. Now you, as a director, the sense of responsibility, you're casting in Puerto Rico, you're gonna cast locals, which I know people say it's easy to do because it's cheaper, right? Uh, uh, you no, know, no, travel expenses. No, no, it's also expenses, authentic but no. to it, right? Like, right. it's authentic. And the, and the family is some, like in the story, Elaine actually, who's a girl from Brownsville, Brooklyn, most of it is shot in, Bro in Brooklyn and in Brownsville. And, um, and she actually goes to Puerto Rico to visit um, her dad. And, um, and so having people there that are authentically from Puerto Rico, in Puerto Rico, in their environments, that's really important to me too. I mean, authenticity is important. And when you say responsibility, um, yeah, I, I think, I think all filmmakers have a responsibility to at least the themes that they want to, um, put out there. The, their core beliefs. I think they have the responsibility to themselves. And if they are someone who is of color, um, I think that they also have a unique responsibility to represent in ways that that other people just don't represent them or sometimes they even overthink it, you know? So yeah, yeah. It's definitely, um, I think about authenticity a lot, but it, it's funny um, when you're a Latine filmmaker what happens is that you're often being critiqued by people who are not Latine. And, and all of a sudden they have what mm -hmm. to say about the way that you're representing. And I'm like, no, you don't get to do that to me. I'm no, sorry. No. I'm sorry, but especially with my family, like you don't get to tell me what my father should be or look like, like, no, that's not going to happen. So, so it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a responsibility. I don't know what to say about that. 
<laughs> no, I, I hear you. You know, the and, and talk to me about that pushback that you might have gotten. Like what how often or how frequent has that occurred where you've seen people who may not who don't know about our culture, don't know about any of us or, or, or anything, and they kind of give you pushback or they kind of give you resistance for certain things. Talk to me about that, those experiences. Well, you know, I mean, there's so many experiences that I could lean into on that, right? Like even if I'm, once I was directing this commercial and it was all, it was all a, a Latinx cast and it was all generations, but of course we cast it with actors. We didn't care where they, where they came from, whoever was the best um, actor for the role. And they, they were all bilingual and, and they were all representing. And there was a word that we needed to use. And I was like, okay, what word would you use for this? What word would you use for this? What, you know, like there was a word, we had to say closet, right? In Spanish. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you tell me like, so the grandmother said one thing, the daughter said another thing, I said one thing, the boy said another thing, and we landed on one thing. And then I went to like production and I was like, okay, so we're all agreeing that the word is such and such. And they were like, and I said, but all of us are Latino, right? Like we could say this. <laughs> like, right, down. right. So right. it was like, for me, where it was just like, like, we're good. We could all, we could say this. There's, there's nothing wrong here. We don't, we don't have to, we don't have to tiptoe around each other the way that other cultures, I feel, have to tiptoe around trying to get their point because they needed to be authentic. It's like, this is what's authentic. Like, this right, is what's real. Right. So, um, I mean, that's one thing. But then, like, in my story in particular, right, I mean, Brownsville Bread, and if you've, if you've read the book, the book is out there. There's an audible. It's adapted from my uh, one-woman stage play that was off-Broadway. So it's been written about quite a bit. Um, New York Times wrote about it from girlhood trials to onstage triumph. Um, you know, Post said, you'll eat up sweet bread. Like I got some amazing reviews and, and, and some of the critics would say like, you know, um, talk about the fabric of the story, which is um, a daughter and her dad. And my dad was this amazing, amazing musician, solid, swagger, lovable. Everybody loved him struggling with addiction. And so some people who are um, of our culture or not of our culture, want me to tame that, you mm -hmm. know, but, but was a reality. Because, right, so it's a reality. I feel like as long as I'm able to, um, to represent all sides and, 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 and show that person as someone that you wanna root for, then I think it's gonna be okay. Like, yep. so, so this is sometimes, and I could see why, but sometimes I could see why somebody um, could say something like that, but they haven't seen the end of the story. You know, at the end, that's just the first act that we discover that and we understand that it's definitely traumatizing to the child. And later on in the story, we, you know, Manny heals from his addiction and Elaine is um, able to, bring down her walls, the walls that she that she um, put up when, when she couldn't trust him again. And um, really it's about just self-discovery, right? Because as we come of age, we just wanna know who we are and find out who we are. And then, and then what happens when you have this big existential question of nature versus nurture? And, yes. and both of them have their you know, they're things that society doesn't like about them. So all of, all of a sudden you have like, you're from the poorest 
crime-ridden neighborhood in New York, um, all of their, their judgments, uh, misconceptions and preconceptions that happen because of that. And then also, you know, you're from a parent, a broken home, parent with addiction, not educated. So then there are all these um, preconceptions that come with that. So you as a child are, are working through that. So, um, so th those are really, it's a universal question, right? Nature versus nurture, yeah. what makes us who we are? And so that's what Brownsville Bread is about. So even though this, it's a lat, 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 Latina girl and her dad and, and her parents living in a black neighborhood, and even though all of that urban American and, and Latinx experience um, is there, it's the core of the story is that. And that's why I find that audiences find it so relatable, all audiences. Yeah, what I definitely, and one of the things I like about it is what you just said is just keeping that authenticity because there is going to be pushback with that, especially from the Latinx, the Latino community, because it's going to say, wait a second, why are you portraying us in this light, right? And then you're like, wait a second, I'm not portraying us in this light. I'm telling the whole story. Yeah. And, and right? it's, it's really a beautiful story. So I think um, people by the end of the story, just like in the play, you know, I, I feel like Latinos felt very proud and they felt recognized and validated. And I, I think I, I dignify marginalized voices and I don't write evil characters. I might write characters based on people that I know that some might see as evil, but I always have that other side of them that is um, just the opposite of that because we're all human just trying to do the best that we can. Absolutely. So, so while you were growing up, who were some of your influences that made you want to choose this direction or if any? No, I can't, I can't say that I had influences when I was younger choosing this direction, you know? I mean, now you're making me think about that. Other than like teachers and stuff like that, I mean. I mean, any anyone, you know, it takes only one person to spark. It doesn't necessarily have to be of the same um, field, career field, right? I mean, you can yeah. have all kinds of people who can spark. Well, it's funny because uh, um, this week I was talking with the with Edwin Vasquez, who's who's the gentleman who's the musical director of Brownsville Bread. He actually gave us some of his original music. He's an amazing uh, musician. And um, I was in my car and my mother came in and he said, Senora, I wanna ask you a question. Like, where did Elaine get this from? And I'm gonna answer you with this because it was surprising to me too. And she said, Elaine was always a dreamer. Elaine was always a dreamer. She And, and it's true, like when I was younger, I used to um, um, hang out on my window a lot and I used to, like look at the people who from the 12th floor were like this this little and i would like envision them and like be like okay if i could just get them over here and i would i would create scenes in my head like that and even like when i would take a bath i would like read the back of a shampoo bottle as if i was like a spokesperson for it so um so these were all things that i just I just used to do, I loved singing. I was always the creative. I was always like, I never took singing, but I love singing. I never took dancing, but I would like dance like and take up the whole floor of the living room like and like do a show of it. But that was always like who I was. And I guess that's just innate in me. I mean, that that's amazing just to see that because you know, you are a role model. 
I mean, you are someone, I mean, even myself, I never wanted to be in movies or anything like that, but I mean, I, I felt really inspired when I saw, saw and heard your story. Um, and I was very proud to see, you know, that someone who similar, you know, background, it's like, wow, like look where she is, look what she's doing now. And it's just, it was really impactful, at least for me. Thank you so much. Um, I don't, I don't really like that title of role model, honestly, because there's so many amazing people out there that can be role models. I think that if anything, I'm just proving that it can be done by anyone with the, um, with the, with the desire and the commitment to do it and the commitment to grow and to learn. So, um, yeah, I'd rather, you know, it's a see it, be it thing, but I, I, I want to encourage young people to do it at every, and not just young people, anybody, right? Cause I'm not, I'm not young, um, but anybody to do it. But, but I really, because um, places like Brownsville that are underserved and especially in the arts, um, I feel like those, the belief that, that someone or the mystery of the whole thing, right? Like, like I want to demystify this for everybody so that they can know, like, this is something that you can go into. It's not just like, oh, and not to say that people don't like dream, like they have like, you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, but never is it told them like, you can be a director, especially girls, right? Like you can, you can create films and stories and direct them. Like that's something very rare that people say to them. So I, I truly believe that you have to, you know, dream it to, to, to start acting on it and believe it and then do it. Like you just have to have it something that, that you feel is tangible. And so um, I, I don't feel that a lot of people who are, um, you know, Latino, poor, or um, growing up in neighborhoods like Brownsville um, get that get that a lot in their lives, get like, yeah, you can do that, that you can do. And it's very, it's, it's a very, you know, like they pinpoint it and say, you can do that. And I feel like um, being a filmmaker is such an important mm -hmm. job. Um, I feel like the fact that you're able to um, put a core belief and make it palatable on screen to people that don't want to digest that, but you 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 bring it to them in a way that is that is digestible. I feel like you have the power to um, influence and provoke thought and questions, and I think that that's such an important job in the world. Yeah, one hundred percent, and that actually goes along with the question I was going to ask you about which is the quote unquote gatekeeper, right? Do you believe that the quote unquote gatekeeper in this industry exists? That's one. And two, if so, do you feel that your position where you are and where you're headed to is going to be able to help kind of mitigate some of that? Do I believe that gatekeepers exist? Is that, that's the first in this, part? In this industry... Are there, is there such thing as a quote unquote gatekeeper? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. There are gatekeepers. Um, namely, I would say like um, the Directors Guild of America, that's a gatekeeper, right? Because yeah. it, like I want to direct for episodic television. And for the most part, you can't direct for episodic television unless you're in the DGA. 
So that's a union, but you can't be in the DGA unless you've directed for episodic television oh. or something else. <laughs> so it's really a catch-22, and it exists for the actors as well. But for directors, it's 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 even more that you have to achieve in order to um, just cut this out. In order to um, in order to get there. So um, there are also there are lots of gatekeepers. There are a lot of programs now that have been created to actually help the filmmaker. Right, like there's the Ryan Murphy Half Initiative or the CBS Directors Diversity yes. Program, the HBO um, Diversity Program, the, the Sony um, Directors Diversity Program. All of these are have very limited amounts. Like you, can, they can only take a certain amount of students, and so the competition is now fierce to get into them. And then there's also like they they're 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 created to help diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? So if you're helping a Latino, uh, a woman, okay, good. Now, do you have any disabilities? <laughs> do you, um, are you queer? Are you, <laughs> you right, right. It's like, now right. they, they want to, um, they want to, you know, and certainly it's I get it, talent yep. as well, but they really, they really want to check a lot of boxes in that. And I feel like it's getting harder and harder and it's certainly, um, it, they also want a, you know, ROI, return of investment, that is um, usually had in younger people than I am. And, and they also, um, as they should, really respect the um, education, the formal educations, which is amazing, you know? But I didn't go to UCLA, I didn't go to USC, I didn't go to NYU, I didn't do any of that stuff. I really, I really um, studied acting um, as my career. Um, so I learned a lot about acting in a professional studies way. I studied at Carnegie Hall, but then when I started making films, I just started making films and I learned um, sort of from in front of the camera, I learned behind the camera, and then I deepened to learn more about directing as I as I started to care more and more about it. I take classes all the time. Um, starting on Friday, I'm taking a class that's a four-day intensive, that's a blocking lab, that's all about being able to block on the fly. And, um, and it was recommended to me by the producing director that I had on Queens, who, who I said to, what else can I do? I shadowed her. I said, what else can I do? This one told me, read this book, read that book. I read everything. I take as much as much learning opportunity as I can. And, um, but I feel like I'm coming, I'm, I'm coming from behind the, you know, from behind. I'm coming up from behind because I don't have the, the formal education um, that many others have. And, and that's great. Like I, I would want to choose them too, I guess, but I just have to keep working as, as an independent artist in order to, um, to just keep going. Right. Cause you just have to keep going until they know that you're not going to go away. And right. um, if, if they never accept you in, you have to keep going to a place where when you finally get in, you'll be in a position to let others in, in the way that you were. And, and that's the thing that I, I love as well. And, and, and just like, that's what I like to see as far as just having that, not only representation, but just, as you said, the gatekeepers got their rules and all that stuff. But you want to get to the point where you can't get be denied. And you're sharpening those skills right now. Yeah. And so. Well, it's yeah. it's happening. I think, I think it happens more and more when you create your own work. So while I would just want to 
I just love directing and I would love people to be offering me stuff and, um, and just be directing it. Um, I find that I have to create my own stuff because that's the stuff that, that people don't have. That's what's lacking in the world. And so um, about a year and a half ago, I sold an original pilot to CBS and I'm um, working on another one now. I finally got an agent. Brownsville Bread, of course, is my original story. So um, so I find like this is the only thing that that they can't take away from me is, is my stories. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. So, all right. So before before we go, just tell everyone, tell the audience what you, I want you to plug everything right now as well. And just tell everyone what you have coming up. What's next for Elaine Del Valle? Well, <laughs> what's well, next? in brief, well, I can brief. tell you what's now. <laughs> I can tell you what what to do now if you want to like um, read my stuff. You can definitely read Brownsville Brook. Brownsville Brook. <laughs> Brownsville Bread, the book, which is available on Amazon. It's ten bucks. Uh, you could listen to it on Audible, which I also narrate in the way that I actually perform the one woman show and uh, follow me on Instagram at Elaine Del Valle director so that you can be um, up on all of the things that whenever my, uh, my screenings come to a neighborhood near you, which we will be having a Brownsville bread premiere in New York coming up in the fall. So I'm not allowed to talk about that yet, just yet, but that will be available. And um, definitely if you guys, want to follow or, or donate or become an investor or know an investor. Um, I'm definitely up to um, listen and to also pitch. Absolutely. And we'll plug all the information as well. It'll be on the um, episodes caption and everything as well. So uh, where they can donate and, and all that information uh, to follow you as well. Um, so Elaine, I, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on. I really I love hearing your story, hearing you tell it, and um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what you have next. Yeah, you got to check it out. It's it's really I'm I'm blown away by it. I actually I love it, and and I don't say that easily because I'm like my worst critic. And you know, when I think about the future of it and watching like the auditions that I have going now with the teenage version and the lines being delivered and I get to like hear that and feel that, it feels so good. It feels so good to know the kind of movie that I'm making and I'm really proud of it. And I think that, um, I think everybody can be. Absolutely. We, yeah, I, I love, I love it. I'm very much looking forward to seeing it take off and it will take off and, um, at the, obviously continue to evolve and et cetera. So looking forward to that. And, um, I thank you for, for telling your story and joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. You. Bye-bye. Yeah, so that was so interesting, Elaine Del Valle. Um, very, very fascinating story. I, I love that. Um, you know, look, she's working. She's doing her thing. She's working. She's got so much going on. I'm, I was really um, proud to have her on here, really, to hear her tell her story from um, from her mouth, from, from uh, her vantage point. And really, this is what it's all about, right? Just creating your own opportunities, creating your own lane, really just if you're aspiring for something going for it you know 
no one needs to tell you what you can do or what you can't do. Um, aspire for more. Aspire to to want to go do your thing. And and no matter what, it doesn't matter where, what um, place you're starting at. Uh, what matters is if you have the ambition and you're willing to put in the work, um, obviously you will see the results and um, and the fruits of your labor. And, and certainly she, um, she's doing that. Make sure you follow her on social media. Uh, pick up the book, uh, Brownsville Bread, and uh, check her out on social media as well. On Instagram, she's got plenty of material there. You can see all the stuff that she's done. You can see also um, some of that first scene that she was talking about as far as uh, for, for that movie that, that she's looking to uh, have released, uh, the full movie. And she's obviously working on that as well as a ton of other things. And so um, that was episode number 48. Uh, so I thank her once again for joining me. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like, subscribe, comment, and um, follow me as well. Social media, Santos Thread Shop, and, uh, Instagram, as well as Santos Thread Shop, TikTok. And of course, as always, don't just say what you mean or mean what you say. Say it with your chest. Peace.